0: All right, welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. It is a Smooth Soul Monday edition of Ball Don't Lie on 104.9 The Horn come on we can always uh get back to uh discussions about the texas basketball team we will as a matter of fact in the six o'clock uh we'll talk about texas uh playing baylor also talk about their loss uh versus tennessee in the big 12 sec challenge but here we'll get into conference championship review Um uh, we'll talk about the chiefs beating the bengals also we'll get into the eagles just uh putting it uh, an old testament style butt whipping on the 49ers there's a reason for that because the 49ers uh lost their third and fourth string quarterback during the game we'll We'll get to that and break it down. Uh, please hit us up via Twitter if you got anything to say, questions, comments, or responses. I'm um, at Rod Babers in the Twitterverse. i man Harch at HardballHarch. Twitterverse. And my man Patrick is out and about. He is heading to the mood, getting ready the for mood. a Texas basketball game. Big Monday by the way, versus the Baylor Bears. So my man Corey's back there twisting and tweaking the dials at, ooh, hope I get this, this Twitter handle right. Corey Guidry 11 or something? That's it. There is it is. That is it. That is it. What a, what a K. K. With a K, with a K, Cole yeah, Beasley, yeah. Julian Edelman, you know, that's yeah, <laughs> my style. So. Oh, I like that. There you go, I do. Uh, all right, Corey. We appreciate you back there, uh, stepping in for my man Patrick. All right, let's get to uh, the breakdown here. We'll start with the AFC side. We we'll start with the NFC in the last uh, breakdown of the conference championship weekend. Let's start with the AFC side of things and talk about Patrick Mahomes uh, once again getting the getting the win and once again heading to a Super Bowl. Um, Seems like it might be the best start for any quarterback's career in the history of the NFL at this point. I can't think of anything that could be better. No. I mean, five years as a starter, and he's going to five NFC title games. AFC, yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, AFC title yeah. games, sorry, three Super Bowls, one Super Bowl win, and he's probably going to win the MVP this year for the second time. Yeah. I think he will. Um,
1: By the time he's 27, he will have two MVPs. Yeah, think about that.
0: That might be the greatest start to a career (laughs) in the history of the NFL, but maybe one of the best starts in history of pro sports. Pro sports, yeah, major American pro sports. But anyway, getting to the details of it, Kansas City beat Cincinnati twenty-three to twenty. We started out working our way backwards, so I guess we can do it again. The most talked-about play, but definitely not the reason, the sole reason why Cincinnati lost. Uh, But with 17 seconds left in the game on third and four, Patrick Mahomes does something remarkable. Let's talk about what he did that was remarkable first because he got a high ankle sprain. He hadn't really been scrambling all game long. He had been able to extend plays. Um, He had been able to move around in the pocket. Um, He got outside of the pocket, but he wasn't really running and scrambling very often. Um, That was one of the few times he did, and he made the Cincinnati Bengals pay on third and four. Scrambled for the first down, but on his way out of bounds while Joseph Osai was in hot pursuit. He pushed him um, while he was out of bounds. Late hit, unsportsmanlike conduct, so a 15-yard penalty. Tacked on top of the first down run. And that was all she wrote, Harris. That was all they needed after that. Uh, field goal ended up giving the Kansas City Chiefs a 23 20 win. Um, and they kept it close. It was 20 20 in regulation with 17 seconds left. Yeah. So
1: that's why it's that, that, tight as tightest game as you can get. So it's corn flip, pretty yeah, much. Yeah. And that's what we thought it was going to be. I yeah. mean, these two teams were were so evenly matched coming into the game. And you, you knew that coming in because of the spread and the way that they were going about it. Patrick Mahomes being a dog at home, which was very rare rare. also. So you start there and you're you're like, okay, how is this game going to be affected by the fact that Patrick Mahomes can't run? Mm -hmm. I mean, he wasn't going to be that guy, but he did enough. He gutted it out, made a big play when he needed to. But you also were thinking about Joe Burrow and his way of going about the season and what they look like whenever they go in the Arrowhead. He doesn't seem to be a guy that's phased by much, and that's why we call him Joe Sheisty, Joe Cool. That's what he was looking into. But this game came down to certain plays, and most importantly, a lot of people want to keep talking about the officiating and what was called and what wasn't called. It doesn't matter either way, because to your point. It was right down the middle. The game was tight, was at, tight the, game. at the entire time. So you start looking and saying, okay, who's going to make a play? And that's what ended up happening. Patrick Mahomes make a play. He made the play. And and Joseph Osai hustling. He's going to learn from this. He's going to grow from this. This is probably going to fuel him because he was playing the entire game hard. He was. You start looking at the – go back and watch the game. He was making play after play, and he was around the ball the entire time. His excitement and his aggressiveness just came back to hurt him at the very end, so you had to take it for what it is. But there were plenty of opportunities that they missed prior to that. Yeah, totally agree. Joe Burrow threw two interceptions. I mean, that's something that he's not normally doing in that time, and you brought this up too, Rod, and I'll let you expand on it. The the, the red zone offense, they Mm -hmm. weren't good. They were not good. They didn't do what they needed to do in the red zone.
0: Yeah, in a 2020 game like that. Um, you know, Joe Burrow usually is – he's clutch. He's known as – you talked about his clutch gene. That's usually what he's known for. Mm-hmm. And clutch means situational football. You're at your best. And, of course, in clutch time, when the game's on the line, you're at your best. They got the ball twice in the fourth quarter, game tied 2020. And I kept thinking to myself, here we comes." Yep,
1: this is it. This is Burrow time, yep, baby. Yep. This
0: is when you don't want the game tied with this guy having the ball in clutch time. And you got a first drive. The first drive, he got one first down and interception. Yep. And on the second drive, or with the game tied in the fourth quarter, Joe Burrow led his offense to two first downs and a punt. Yep. So it was, yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah. For the, for the most part, that Chiefs defense, they held Joe Burrow in check checking clutch time. And you brought up the interceptions. And that's a big point to turnover, Sarge, because. Joe Burrow was basically a riverboat gambler in that game. He was gambling with the deep ball. Mm -hmm. uh, Passes 20 yards or more in there. Threw 10 of them in that game. And he was basically trying to take advantage of the one-on-one coverage. And sometimes Joe Burrow was throwing into double coverage. Yes, matter of fact, he threw the (laughs) touchdown and the fourth down. (laughs) Yep, The fourth down by Jamar Chase was in double coverage. He was chunking him deep in double coverage. Like I said, he was gambling a lot. And it paid off for him. He was 6 of 10 on those deep balls. Two touchdowns, 146 yards. But when you gamble... Sometimes you lose, Yep. and he lost twice, big two interceptions. Um, and I think uh, in a game that tight, where you have a very small margin for error, unfortunately, Joe Burrow's two picks when he was gambling on those deep balls, they came back to hunt him. Now six of ten is a really good percentage on
1: deep balls, two touchdowns. But uh, but he was throwing in a double coverage. Yes, so, so you it, knew it, your luck. Should've, it should have been more than two exactly. interceptions. I was going to say your luck was going to run out, yeah. and, and it goes back to what we talked about. You're doing that. Got sacked five times. Uh, Chris Jones was playing an unbelievable football game on the other side for Kansas City. But throwing in the double coverage, I still remember him being interviewed. And he says, yeah, I'll just throw it up sometimes because I know Jamar is down there somewhere. And it's like, what? Yeah. Not, but uh, but you've been having success. Dad said that, Yada. Cu- you had a oh, crucified dad. Oh, oh my goodness. I just
0: throw it down there sometimes. I just see,
1: I think CD's actually going to make the play for me. I'm like, what game have you been watching? What game have you been watching? CD's not going to do that for you. But yeah, I'm with you on that. And it it, it is good to, to see. Uh, What Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and more importantly, we give that offense for Kansas City so much love because of Kelsey and because of Mahomes. But that defense rose to the occasion yesterday and played their butt off as well.
0: Man, I call him Junk Jones because at the combine, when he was running his 40-yard dash, his his shorts exploded (laughs) and his junk came out and he finished the 40 Running with his junk out at yeah, the four, that's at right. the combine, and I, I ever mean, since I call him Junk Jones, um, but he needs a better nickname now. Yeah, he deserves it, and uh, maybe he's Junk Jones because <laughs> he turns other players in the trash yep. uh, in, in front of him. But he had six. How about this? Joe Burrow was pressured twelve times, and six of those came from Chris Jones alone. He That's had six about. pressures, three tackles for loss, two sacks, five quarterback hits. He was a one-man wrecking crew out there. Mm-hmm. That third and eight where Spagnola puts him at defensive end, moves him from the interior, puts him at defensive end, so he's matched up against Adeniji, And that was brilliant because he ended yep. up getting the sack on Joe Burrow on that play. And let's not forget, y'all must have forgot, as Roy Jones said, <laughs> y'all must have forgot. because Because, uh, yeah, Junk <laughs> Jones basically won the Super Bowl for mm-hmm. the Kansas City Chiefs a couple of years ago when he had those two big pass deflections in the fourth down on crucial downs against the 49ers. So when this guy comes to play, uh, it's only a couple of guys in the league that are on his level are, are better than Chris yeah. Jones, man. Yeah. Yeah, watch out. Junk Jones is when he gets Junk his mindset. Junk Jones. Yeah, Junk Jones. Yeah, and he, was, he was. I
1: remember that. Oh, you remember that? Yeah, you know, I do crazy? remember that. Junk just, I mean, just. <laughs> Exploded, yeah. out of his shoes. I, like, I was like, and the cameras, was, they, jumped, they, they were trying, going, to they away, trying to take a away, but they <laughs> were trying to get the speed. And he was trying to <laughs> grab the junk as he ran. and yeah. uh, was like, oh, man. And someone
0: says, Junkyard Jones. I like that. Junkyard yep. Jones is pretty good. But he is. He's the real deal, man. That guy is a freak, and he was a one-man wrecking crew out there.
1: Yeah, no doubt. And and that's what they needed. He said he needed to make plays because he didn't give them enough last year in this game, which mm. is why um, they felt like Joe Burrow and his his – uh, Cincinnati Bengals made it to the Super Bowl because he didn't show up in that game yeah. and he wanted to make amends for that. And that's exactly what he did. It was re- when you start looking at it and you realize too, because you brought this up earlier, they shifted him out to the defensive end position and then he started attacking those right. replacement. Uh, linemen because they had to bring in three different linemen and they saw where the weakness yep. was. Great point. And they were like, go get the quarterback. Yep. And that's exactly what he did. That's a
0: great point. they basically just moving him around to get a matchup advantage. Yep. It's like he they're missing 3 0 linemen. And by the way, give Cincinnati credit because early in that game, I was thinking to myself, this is going to be a blowout. Cincinnati cannot block Kansas City. Exactly. Remember, Kansas City had, they had, in the first quarter alone, they had two sacks. Sorry, they had, uh, yes, they had four sacks yes. in the first quarter. Four sacks in the first quarter by the end of it with a 50% pressure rate. And then for the next three quarters, Kansas City only had a 25% pressure rate and only one sack in the final three quarters of the game. And that five-sack number is crucial. I gave this number earlier. And give Cincinnati credit. They tried to address it in the offseason. Nobody knows if you're going to be missing, you Three old linemen. When you get this deep in the playoffs, um, so they did their best. But Joe Burrow now twenty-one and one when he sacked fewer than five times. He's one and eight when he sacked five or more times. You get to Joe Burrow. That's why. That's
1: when they got. Just to that think about that. Four sacks five in the first sacks.
0: quarter. Yeah, when they got to four sacks in the first quarter, I was like, it's going to be a blowout because yep. that's the way it works when Joe Burrow gets sacked that much. But they made adjustments. They
1: did make adjustments. They made the adjustments. And going back to what uh, my man. Chris Jones said, he said, my whole offseason was dedicated to this game. Wow. He said after the win. He said, I missed a few big plays last year. It's unfortunate that they were able to move forward, and I put that on my shoulder. So this offseason, I dedicated my whole offseason to making sure when that moment calls, for me specifically, that I will answer that call. Wow. So he was waiting for that game. That's amazing. He's like, get us to this game. And I'll wreck shop. And he to did. your point, you brought the numbers up earlier. Four tackles, including three for loss, two sacks, five quarterback hits, and six quarterback pressures.
0: And you got – and, yeah, I mean, in the Kansas City defense, he was – obviously, he was the war daddy on the yep. D-line. And so it started with him. But, man, they, they made plays. Those yes, they youngs, youngsters made plays. And corners
1: in those safeties.
0: Yeah. You're talking about, yep. That, you're talking about rookies. Yep. Kansas City got clutch plays from rookies in the secondary, like Horace just mentioned. Jalen Watson got an interception early. Brian Cook and Joshua Williams, Joshua Williams with the uh, they had the uh, the tip drill yep. interception yep. there. Uh, hell, just to keep going with the rookies, Pacheco was big. Five receptions, 59 yards at that big uh, run where he ended up breaking like three tackles on there. Where Tony Romo. I don't know what he was about to say. <laughs> Tony Rumble had the... Yeah, uh, I don't know what that was. Anyway, uh, but, uh, I'm a Romosexual. I love me some Romo. Uh, then Sky Moore, and we talked about this enough. Honestly, this game goes to overtime if not for the subpar punt return defense. Oh my goodness. The punt coverage yes. of Kansas, sorry, of Cincinnati cuz Kansas City Scott Moore had a 29-yard punt return before the Joseph O'Sai penalty and the scramble by Patrick Mahomes and honestly that was probably the biggest play of the fourth quarter yep. for Kansas City cuz that got him in field goal position with just a little bit of time left for Mahomes to make a miracle happen.
1: Yeah. And, and you know, you sit there and you look at what Joseph did and, and obviously he feels awful about it, but it's timing, right? It was timing of the game. Yeah. Where it is, you know that they have to get to a they, – they weren't going to get to field goal range the way that everything was setting up. Mm-hmm. It was, it was going to end up being a Hail Mary. You're going to end up going into overtime, and you're going to be able to adjust from there. So, you know, you look at that play, and you saw him on the sideline crying and realizing that. But when you look at what Kansas City was able to do with Patrick Mahomes being injured, him toughing it out, and he still throw the what? He threw the ball almost forty three times. Forty three so. times. Yeah. So it's like that was going to be their game plan, mm-hmm. and they knew that they were going to have to make plays that way. But you still have to look at the the work that they put in to be there. They only ran for forty two yards in this game. All <laughs> the They said we're gonna put and, it on your shoulders and let's go get it.
0: Well, and not only you got the, the you know the high ankle sprain, so he's hobbled there. Ends mm-hmm. up making the biggest play using his legs, which he basically had one and a half of. We, he lost three of his top uh, receivers. Yeah, in the game, Juju yep. Smith Schuster left the game. McCole Hardman left the game. Kadarius Tony left the game. I mean, they just had guys dropping like flies in that game. So they were a very depleted wide receiving core. It was just him and Kelsey on offense getting it done. And on um, defense, talked about it, man. Defense played really well, starting with Chris Jones and those rookies. But also, I love this little stat. Talk about adjustments. The Chiefs played really aggressively when it came to Jamar Chase. They didn't really shut him down. They neutralized him. And, hell, a lot of those plays, as we just mentioned, they were throwing to Jamar Chase. He was in double coverage. He's like, man, we got him double covered. He's just out there making plays. He's a great player. How about this? They played press coverage against Jamar Jamar Chase on 60% of his routes um, and basically made sure they pressed him. So he had three catches on 61 targets on sorry on 61 yards on four targets when he was playing against bump and run coverage. So they pressed him a ton, um, and they made sure they got up in his face and made life really tough on him. And the Bengals, I thought they should have been more aggressive offensively. They didn't go empty as much as I thought they should have. They only went empty like 6% of the time. Uh, Joe Burrow has been great out of empty. Last year they ran it second most in the league, helped him get to the Super Bowl. I thought they should have did more of that yeah. to force Kansas City to expose those young DBs across the board, and then you can put your best wide receivers in the slot against those young DBs, potentially. Um, but they didn't do enough of that, but it was just a great game overall. Great adjustments made. And by the way, can't say enough about Lou Anarumo. Even with the Chiefs winning that game, they only scored 23 points.
1: Yep. Yep. They
0: only scored 23 points.
1: That's why he finally got a job interview. I mean, yeah, he finally, yeah, <laughs> he a great finally point. got a call to for an interview to be a head coach, which we were talking about early in the season, like, I don't think enough people are talking about how good of a job he's doing as the D.C. for um, the Cincinnati Bengals.
0: He's killing it, man.
1: Yeah. You go, you go look at the um, the
0: diff- basically seven playoff games that Burrow has been the start in the Burrow era. Cincinnati has scored between 19 and 27 points in all those games. They've allowed no more than 24 points.
1: Give me, Lu- me, Lu- me the number. Let me get that number. Lu- Luan yep. Romo's always
0: giving you a chance. Yep. Oh, and uh, think about it. Against elite quarterbacks you talking about against Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen. You're talking about the best the quarterback best the against best, yeah. Matt Stafford last year. Against you know some some really good quarterbacks, not just scrubs. And he's been he's had fantastic game plans and adjustments. Love me some Lou and Rumo. All right, let's get to the NFC side of things. Uh, a little easier to break down this <laughs> matchup because it just came down to the 49ers losing their third string quarterback. Mm-hmm. For the rest of the season, which obviously wasn't much much of a season because uh, that was their last game they lost Brock Purdy um, because of a Hassan Reddick hit ooh in the first quarter, and I listen. I love me some Shano. You guys know that, and I I, I picked the 49ers to win, but I didn't know their starting quarterback would get hurt on um, the second
1: play. Nobody yeah, exactly, knew that. Right? Nobody on, knew that on the sixth play from scrimmage, I believe
0: it was <laughs> totally. Um, so no, I didn't see that coming. But what I will say is that I'll, I'll blame Shano for a terrible opening game opening script, which basically in his opening, I don't know why why or how but his opening script called for. Tight ends to block Hassan Reddick. Mm. A guy with 17 sacks. I didn't know that was gonna happen. On the play where Brock Purdy gets hurt, he's got Tyler Croft <laughs> blocking Hassan Reddick. A guy who has 17 and a half sacks going into the game. And then on the on the on the other play where he sacks Josh Johnson, after knocking out Brock Purdy on that play, on a play where he saw he sacks uh uh Josh Johnson almost takes the ball away. My man shannon has got Jawan Jennings and and Kittle blocking him, and they both whiff. I'm my Olay lay style, bullfighter style, whiff, whiff, and he just goes untouched, and then it hits Josh Johnson. I thought Josh Johnson was hurt then, by the way. He oh wasn't. yeah, yeah. And I he, think, he
1: needs to go to fall school too because he fell straight back on both of those plays. He did, yeah. Right, right. It's a good point. I'm it, like, how do you yeah. fall straight back? Not yeah. even try. To protect yourself. What does Bucky always
0: say about Tua? Exactly. Tua don't know how to fall? Does not know how to fall. And Bucky's right about that. But to me, Harge, those are the two just dang coaching mistakes. And usually you can recover from a coaching mistake. You move on. You take a sack, bad play, negative play, you move on. You didn't recover from that one because that one knocked out your third-string quarterback. Yeah. And that was it. That's all she wrote.
1: That that was the end of the game.
0: It did did all the preparation and game planning. None of that mattered. Was out when you knocked Brock Purdy out of the game. They had no shot, really. They they threw the how about this eighteen pass attempts by the Forty Nine ers were the fewest in a conference title game loss in Super Bowl era. They knew they couldn't throw them. They only threw it for what eighty three passing yards.
1: Yes, the the whole the whole game was terrible. They had eighty three passing yards and eighty one rushing yards in the game. You didn't have a chance. Come
0: on, Shannon. And you
1: held and you held him to uh, Jalen Hurts to 121 yards passing, and you would think, oh yeah, here we go. You got a shot at it. If you just blind looked at that, you would be like, oh yeah, I think they won.
0: Think we got a good shot here. Yeah, I think we got a shot. Yeah, the box score does not not tell the story (laughs) of that game. Exactly. The box score does not tell the story of that game because if you look at the box score, because I'm with you, hard. You go look at the individual performance by Philly, and you're thinking to yourself, I told you before the game. All right. Jalen Hurst's stats so are going to be 15-25, 121 yards, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions, and a 72 passer. And you go, I'll take that. Yeah, a I'm Florida in there. Fan. We in there. Yeah if, I told, yeah. yeah, if I told you, oh, Miles Sanders, 11 rushes for 42 yards. Kenneth Gainwell. Uh, 14 rushes for 48 yards. You mean like I was like, oh, uh, Jalen Hurts, 11 rushes for 39 yards. You go, I'll take that. Yep. I'll do it every day and twice on Sunday. What about Devontae Smith, A.J. Brown? They must have went off, right? Not really. No. Two, re- <laughs> two receptions for 36 yards and four receptions for 28 yards. You go, well, what
1: the hell happened? Exactly. Uh, they
0: knocked Brock Purdy out of the game, and they knocked your four-string quarterback out of the game, so you didn't have a quarterback that actually could throw a forward pass in the game. Uh, and I love this for my man uh, Rodney Rodriguez. I love Rodney. He does a great job. Um, and he t- he, t- he tweeted at me during the game and said, "Hey, Rodney, they figured out how to stop Shanno's offense. Uh, they just had basically here. This we found a weakness in Shanno's system. Without a functioning quarterback, it won't work. Yeah, yep. they yep. won't. They I mean, won't. Even if they're bad quarterbacks, he'll make a bad one look good. But they got at least made to fo- throw a forward pass. They couldn't get it. And honestly, it's Shanno's fault. Yep, I'm gonna blame Shanno for that one." I'm blaming Shanol for that one. Mm-hmm. That you had tight ends blocking one of the top ten best pass rushers in the league. That's a dang coaching mistake, yeah. and you paid
1: dearly for it. Like dearly, like nobody's there for you to play quarterback. Exactly. That's how dearly you like, pay for it. Why
0: would you do that when you're on your third string quarterback?
1: Exactly. Quarterback. You got to be prepared for this. Pass
0: protection should be you know top priority. And then my man uh, Cornwall Property says Purdy out six months with UCL injury. Yeah, I think he's going to need surgery. He's going to need
1: surgery. Yeah, not. He's as ex- getting a second opinion right now to see. If he does, when you tear that, when you have that as your injury, which is why when he came back in the game, all he could do was run a screen play yeah, he and he yeah. can hand off the ball. You really had no shot. Is it? That means something was more than that. Because this is a kid who had his opportunity. This wasn't if, oh, if he could if he have went, out he out went back out there. Oh, if he was 60%, he would have went out there. He would have went back out there and tried to fight his way through yeah. that. And that, that ruined everything. So, yeah, he's going to need that work. But I do want to point this out. The the Forty the Niners recent playoff history starting in twenty eleven, twenty twelve, they lost in the NFC championship game. Twenty twelve, twenty thirteen, they lost the N, the NFL title. That was the the New Orleans game where the power went out. Beyonce did the yeah. show, the power yeah. went out. The
0: brothers face each other, Harbaugh right. and, and Harbaugh. Right?
1: Yep, Harbor and Harbaugh. In twenty thirteen, twenty fourteen, they lost in the NFC championship game. Twenty nineteen, twenty twenty, they lost the the in the Super Bowl. Last year they lost in the NFC Championship game, and this year they lost in the the NFC Championship game. Mind you, Kyle Shanahan took over the team in 2017, but going all the way back to 2011, that has been their recent run in the playoffs.
0: Yeah. The 49ers organization understands, Except, I think there's one basic rule of kind of the NFL, where where the salary cap has you going, and kind of the new age of the NFL as it relates to quarterbacks and, and roster building if you don't have an elite quarterback. Mm-hmm. And by the way, truth is there's like 5 or 6 of those guys in the league right now. Right. Maybe 8 if you really want to stretch it out. If you ain't got one of those 8 guys, you you do need to reset <clears throat> every 4 or 5 years. Right. And just reset your entire roster and reset the timeline and reset the championship window. And if you do that, you actually have a better chance to succeed rather than investing everything you have into a quarterback who's, he's not elite, but he's not bad. He's actually in like the top third. Okay, top third, let's invest all in. Right. Uh, If you do that, I mean, it may work out for you, but the 49ers and the Eagles are showing you, no, no, every four or five years, just reset the clock. Right. Just, just scrap every damn thing and go, we got a four or five-year window. And if we don't hit it in four or five years, we got to reset it. 49ers are doing it with, with Trey Lance right now. Yep. Thank God they did. Because with Brock Purdy out now for six months, Trey Lance is going to be the guy going forward until him and Brock Purdy can, you know, they can actually compete for that starting spot. And Philadelphia has done it three times now. All right. All right. They, and by the way, Philadelphia at one time, they were the model kind of what the Cowboys are going with in most NFL teams, which is, uh, we got a quarterback like Donovan Mapp. Is he elite? No. But he's one of the better quarterbacks in the league. Okay, what's Andy Reid? He's an elite coach, an elite head coach with a top third quarterback. I'll take that. Yep. Then you can win. And by the way, they won some games that way. Uh, For the Cowboys, you don't have any. Do you have any elite coach? I I don't know. Maybe. Do you? I don't know. You ask me. You tell me. Do you have an elite quarterback? No. So, I don't know if you're necessarily. <laughs> you, you, <answered, laughs>
1: you answered that one fast. Yeah, that was like, That was easy. You're like, that do you easy. have a, league, a coach? Uh, I don't know. You have a league quarterback? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't. So, and honestly, you should be paying attention
0: to the 49ers and the Eagles and being, you know what, we should need to reset the clock every four right. or five years because, you know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. The Eagles don't do that. The 49ers don't do that. Right. And when they find an elite quarterback, I think they'll go all in on that elite quarterback. But. The Eagles haven't really really found one of those, and they know that. Yeah. They're realistic about it. The 49ers were realistic about, no, Cap is what he is. He's going to run this system. That's what he is. Yep. And the 49ers have been realistic about who Jimmy G was. Remember, they had a playoff game where Jimmy G threw eight passes. Do you remember this game? I do you remember, remember playing the Packers and throwing eight passes? I thought in this game, I said, oh, man, please let Shano win this game and having to go throw like eight or nine passes in the game. Didn't happen because Philly is too damn good. Yeah, I was going to say Philly um, was way better. Way better. But yeah. you get my point. Um, So my, my point, they knew what Jimmy G was. Right. They, they weren't going to invest all in Jimmy G. No, no, no. We're gonna, we got a timeline here. We got a window. When that window's over, we're going to shut that window and open up another one. No doubt. And that's what they do. That's but now we're doing. talking about the 49ers. I don't know what they're going to do at quarterback. I wouldn't doubt if they try to make a move for one of these vets. Oh, I was Like a say. Brady. I don't know if Rodgers fits in the side of the cap. Well, they've already
1: said they're going to make a yeah. move. And so, I mean. Because Shadow knows he's close. Shadow
0: yeah. knows he's right there.
1: I mean, he's been there. He's right there. He's been
0: twice. He's, right there. he's tired of knocking on the door. Now He wants to. Bang on that damn thing. If they, catch that, right there. if
1: they catch that interception last year, they would have been in the championship game.
0: Hell, man, if you keep, if you were your, your, your second string quarterback is it your third string quarterback, <laughs> exactly. you still probably win. Because your second string was Jimmy. Exactly.
1: So your you third, was, been in your third was Brock Purdy. Yeah, you you have been still would have had
0: a shot. Yeah. You ended up with Josh Johnson of all people. <laughs> Josh Johnson of all people. The Why? journeyman. Why is Josh Johnson still in the league? If I can't make a roster and I'm a quarterback, I'd be so upset because Josh
1: Johnson is still in the league. He was probably coaching somewhere. Uh, and talking about it, I, I think my arm is in good he's got a great agent by the way he
0: does have a great agent he has a
1: great agent I don't know who he is but he got a great
0: one Sam Ellinger get Josh Johnson's agent
1: <laughs> no, so you not. can sit because
0: you're better than Josh Johnson Sam you know that that's how you should always keep a job yes. you're like I'm better than Josh Johnson for sure I? yes you are yes Sam. you are alright we'll come <laughs> right back and we'll get into Rod's rap today tell you something special about Jalen Hurts that sets him apart for the rest of come these on, quarterbacks baby. we'll do that when we come back right here on Ball Don't Lie on 104.9 The Horn I'm as mad as hell. But well, I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. Oh my God. Okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. What oh, you've got it now. It it's time
1: for Rod's oh. rant of the day. Hold on to your butts.
0: All right, welcome back to... Uh, Ball Don't Lie and Rod's rant of the day. We're going to be talking about the Eagles and the Chiefs uh, for the next two weeks. Um, so slowly but surely, I'll be putting together different pieces in Rod's rant of the day so that we get to know both of these teams, but more importantly, uh, get to know the athletes that are participating in the Super Bowl. That's the best part of the Super Bowl. you got enough time to get into some of these deep stories uh, about these, uh, these players and why they have taken the path that they did to success. Um, Jalen Hurts, really interesting story. Now I remember when Jalen Hurts was drafted, um, I remember telling people, I was like, man, I like that pick. And people, most of the people <clears throat> at the time did not like the Jalen Hurts pick. And I totally understand why. At the, at the time, I thought, oh, it's a great pick because the, the NFL is a copycat league and the Taysom Hill craze was starting. It was like the Taysom Hill craze. And I was like, oh, they definitely want him to play a Taysom Hill role potentially. There were several teams in the NFL, actually Frank Reich being one of them uh, around that time too with the Colts. And also, of course, New Orleans Saints with Taysom Hill. They They were using multiple quarterbacks for different things. All right. And like this situational football and for strange uh, purposes, try to throw off the defense. And I thought, OK, there could be a place for Jalen Hurts there. But also uh, Doug Peterson. I remember him saying that he saw a lot of Lamar Jackson in Jalen Hurts. That, that was his comp that he kept giving. I remember giving it multiple times before they drafted. And I was like, man, that's an interesting comp to give uh, that kind of comp. And, and he was also on his staff at the time. Doug Peterson, I don't know if he's on his staff for Jacksonville, was Marty Morningwick. Remember Marty Morningwood was a senior offensive consultant yep. and he was on the Raven staff when they chose Lamar Jackson. And he was a big advocate of them drafting Lamar Jackson. So, you know, I see the football world is a small one. So, I remember that draft pick and at the time, he was just seen to be he was seen as either a backup project quarterback developmental project or like I said he was going to be your you Utility guy for whatever reason, maybe two-point conversion. Doug Doug Peterson led the NFL as a head coach when they had their Super Bowl run with the Eagles in two-point conversions and fourth-down conversions. And I figured, oh, he's going to use Jalen Hurts as a fourth-down conversion weapon or a two-point conversion weapon of some sort. And he didn't really get a chance to test out that theory or to weaponize Jalen Hurts because Doug Peterson was out. And, of course, they brought in Nick Sirianni. May have been the best damn thing that ever happened to Jalen Hurts, actually. And he brought in uh, Shane Steichen, who is their offensive coordinator. But I was starting to look at the different systems that Jalen Hurts has already played under. And this is his third year in the league. Uh, played four years. Did he get four years in college? Four years in
1: college, correct? Yeah, because he, he went to
0: Alabama for two, two years,
1: two seasons. And then went to Then
0: went to Oklahoma, Oklahoma for two. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Um yeah, that's what I thought. because uh, I I get mixed up these days with all the extra eligibility. <laughs> so I apologize. I didn't want to discount the man. Yeah. But too much four years in college, and then you go look at his short time in the NFL so far, and he's already in those seven years, he's already worked with multiple offensive play callers and coordinators. Think about it, at Bama. He had three different play callers. Mm -hmm. Lane Kiffin, Brian Dable, and Mike Loxley Mm -hmm. were all of his play callers there. And remember, they all ran very different systems. Absolutely. It wasn't like they were running something similar. No, no. Lane Kiffin was a run-heavy RPO system, a lot of play-action pass, bootlegs, zone read, and tempo. No huddle. All right. Brian Dable. Well, you know, in the league now, pro-style guy. I not a pro-style concepts. Still used to zone read. Zone read might be one of the things that kind of linked all of these things together. Zone read, but more more pro-style concepts. Pro-style passing attack with Brian Dable.
1: And just the, so you know, there was three years at Oklahoma. I mean, three years at, at Alabama. Uh, Alabama won won at one. One at Oklahoma. OU. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, and Mike Loxley. He had a, a lot of pre-snap motion and pre-snap movement, and he ran a ton of RPOs. He loved the RPO concept. He was big in the RPOs. So there are some commonalities with these systems, but not quite the same. And, of course, Lincoln Raleigh is an air raid system, uh, which is essentially installed. It's a basically a triple option offense, which is what Mike Gundy once called it. He said, oh, it's just an old school triple option offense. Doug Peterson famously ran a heavy RPO-based offense, and he even implemented his RPO-based offense based off of Chip Kelly because when Chip Kelly was... on on the Philadelphia staff as their head coach, and they drafted Nick Foles. Um, One of the things that helped Nick Foles have a historic season, actually, with the Eagles that year was the RPO concepts. By the way, Chip Kelly is the one that popularized run-pass option concepts in the NFL. They were running them before, but nobody ran them with the frequency and and the gratuitous amounts of them like uh, Chip Kelly did. And when they brought uh, Nick Foles back under Doug Peterson, Doug Peterson said, I need to know what happened and why he was so successful when he was here the first time with Chip Kelly and everybody told him, oh, we well, just ran a ton of RPOs. They ran more RPOs than any team in the NFL at the time. And Nick Foles was really comfortable running RPOs. And Doug Peterson said, okay, well, that's what we're going to do. We're just going to run RPOs, a ton of them. If that's what he's comfortable with, they end up winning the Super Bowl, running those RPO concepts after Carson Wentz goes down. But anyway, I digress. Getting back to it. So, in addition to – uh, Doug Peterson and Lincoln Riley for him and Mike Loxley and Brian Dabble and Lane Kiffin. And now you got him running the Shane Steichen slash Sirianni system, which is a multiple option offense. Maybe even not even triple option, you're talking about quadruple and quintuple options, uh, quintuple options, if you will. So, that is something kind of revolutionary in itself. They run, yeah, a lot of the zone read concepts. Um, they also run a ton of RPOs, they love package plays as well, just trying to uh, make Jalen Hurts a threat on multiple levels. But the most offensive, most offensive skill, talent, or even quarterbacks for sure. When you're dealing with that much turnover in philosophy, in terminology, in, you know, ideology all all over, it usually forces skill sets to regress because they're, you know, they're, they're having to learn so much new stuff. Every year it's a new system, so they got to learn the, the new uh, you know, techniques in a new system and the new coaching points of a new system, the terminologies, all this kind of stuff. And usually it forces somebody to end up you know, losing ground. They, they you know, For some reason they struggle. I remember for Alex Smith. Remember Alex Smith back in the day? He had like six different offensive coordinators in his mm-hmm. first like seven years in the league. Um, as a matter of fact, he had, how about the, he had nine different offensive coordinators in his first eight years. Right. And everybody thought, oh, man, that's big reason why he's struggling. And it was. And when he got Andy Reid and Eric Bienry and they had some consistency, boom. All right? And Alex Smith was great. I don't know if he had Eric Bienry back then. But my point is, get <laughs> Andy yeah. Reid, just one guy there, and he got some consistency out of it. And I think that was a big part of why they got the best out of Alex Smith. Of course, they moved on to Patrick Mahomes. And, you know, we haven't seen that regression with Jalen Hurts. It's strange it should almost be expected a quarterback who's built with, you know, uh, you know, four, uh, sorry, six different offensive systems in his seven years playing elite football. Kiffin, Dabo, Loxley, Riley, Doug Peterson, and Steichen Siriani's system. I, don't, I think Steichen runs, he actually calls a lot of those plays and Nick Siriani gave up the play calling, but it is Nick Siriani's system too. But that's, that's amazing. There's yeah. a there's a great book that talks about um, this very subject. It's called The Obstacle is the Way. And it's a really good book. Go check it out. I think Ryan Holiday was the author of it. And it talks about how you know, the impediment action advances action. Like the impediment to action advances action. Like basically you having the the plan and you having the fortitude to overcome whatever uh, obstacles, adversity are in front of you. That will actually cause you to build up the necessary skills to become great. Mm. If you don't overcome the obstacle, well, then you'll never be great. But if you do actually over overcome that obstacle, whatever it may be, everybody's is different. Um then you will, in order to overcome that, you must develop a certain set of skills. And while overcoming that adversity and developing those skills, that'll make you great.
1: Well, I thought you was about to talk about Liam Neeson. Uh, no. a special <laughs> set of skills. Yeah, but
0: I almost feel like that's Jalen Hurts. Yep. Like, the obstacle was, man, you got a new system every year. You got a new offense. You got to figure out. It seems like there's a lot of turnover. And for most, I think it would force a regression. I think for most, it would place them at a disadvantage. But for him, because he's so determined, and because he, is, he has such a great—and by the way, he's a coach's kid. That matters, too. Um, I think that's a big part of his football DNA. And because he's been so determined, he has such resolve, he's been able to intrinsically turn what should have been disadvantages into advantages for him. And now he's a quarterback that can play in multiple different types of systems, even though most people kind of pigeonhole him coming out as a quarterback that has a ceiling. Right. And and he, I'm not saying he doesn't have a ceiling, but the fact that he has been so versatile in his early upbringing as a quarterback just shows you that he has a, a much higher ceiling and upside than people are willing to give him credit for. And I think we're witnessing it right now this year,
1: man. Yeah. That's that's he's, he's one of those guys that is just mm-hmm. transcending the position because he went and put the work in. I saw a special on him the other night and, you forget, I was at the game where he got benched for Tua. I was in the national That's championship crazy. game yeah. where Tua came off the bench. And I, I was doing my homework about them, but I didn't realize who Tua was. And I'm like, why is everybody talking to that guy at the media days? Like, everybody wanted to talk to Tua. He, uh, Hertz had his, mm-hmm. his podium meeting. Yeah. Everybody's over there. But then everybody just, like, raced to Tua. Yep. I'm like, so I started looking. I'm like, oh, okay, this guy's supposed to be special. They benched him. He came in. A touchdown came right into our laps. It's crazy. We were on the field at the time when he made that touchdown, and I was like, oh, that is right. And he threw that pass, by the way, to Devontae Smith. Hmm, I remember that. Yeah.
0: yeah I remember that. All and freshmen. That, and that's why, honestly, that's why they won the game. Right. Because that was the one player who Kirby Smart could not game plan for because he was a freshman. And Kirby Smart knew that roster inside and out, knew every player, knew every game plan. That's right. The one thing he could not game plan for was Tua. Tua. He didn't know him. Exactly. He he never even seen him. Right. Other than recruiting him himself, he didn't know. Right. Uh, So that was – that's a great point. I didn't didn't realize that either. But I think Nick Sirianni and Jalen Hurst both being coaches' kids and from coaching families has also helped. And it's a kind of – you can't really quantify it. It's kind of an unquantifiable factor. But I think it's meant a lot in their chemistry and they're bonding. Coach's sons, you live a certain type of life. You I do. say about it. Yep. Coach's sons, they you live a certain – I know my boy Shano. Yep. Uh, coach's sons, they live a certain kind of life, and they can bond about that because they're very similar. And Nick Sirianni and Jalen Hurts, both coach's sons, I think you're seeing also really high football IQ for coach's sons. Very they know ball. So. They know ball. And Jalen Hurts definitely knows ball. And
1: they know temperament, too. Yep. That's why you can see them being calm, cool, and collected Some all the time. That's great point about Hurts. They Jen understand Hertz. the temperament. Yeah.
0: yeah. And, so, phases and, and understands leadership. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, Jalen Hurts is a great leader man definitely got the intangibles and the immeasurables and i see my man cb said he wanted to be a longhorn yeah
1: so did everybody man hey he wanted to be I a think longhorn. I, I think for all those people that wanted to be longhorns that didn't get a chance at the quarterback a position yeah there you go just let it go yeah he just did let it go he wanted to be a long <laughs> yeah
0: i mean i i i remember that story too being out there about him wanting to be a Longhorn. i think yeah. tom tom herman was a jalen hurts fan yeah and now we're all becoming Jalen Hurts fans. Throw that out there. Big time. Uh, all right, we come back. We'll get into another Off the Record right here on Ball line not 149. Welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. Smooth Soul Monday edition of Ball Don't Lie. Please, everybody, be safe out on the roads. Weather's supposed to be getting crazy for the next couple of days. So make sure uh, you stay warm, but also you stay safe. All right, off the record here, what the hell's going on at the Dallas Zoo? What the hell's <laughs> happening,
1: man? They just they just feel like they should just let every animal be free.
0: They're losing <laughs> animals and misplacing animals? <laughs> yeah. Two primates at the Dallas Zoo have allegedly been kidnapped ape-napped i don't know how you want to say it at least that's what the zoo is saying um is they've had a bizarre string of disappearances at the zoo that's the last It's one of the few places you don't yeah. want to hear about <laughs> something like that disappearing like seeing so myself disappearing that's actually you know not gonna do any harm You're like oh that's sad but stuff is disappearing you don't want people disappearing right it doesn't want to lose track of animals who could potentially be dangerous and be a public uh safety hazard So two primates have disappeared now. Zoo officials noticed uh, Dallas PD Monday, I always say notified Dallas PD Monday, that a couple of their emperor uh, tamarind monkeys Mm. were missing from their habitats. And worse, they claim there's evidence of tampering in the restricted areas that house the creatures. So they believe the monkeys were actually taken. The cops are already looking into it. And because it's an open investigation, not many details are available. Uh, If you'll recall, this is the same zoo where a clouded leopard escaped its own enclosure earlier this month, prompting a shutdown of the place and a massive search. The leopard ended up being found on the ground soon after, but zoo officials claimed afterwards that its habitat had been cut through, suggesting someone let the big cat out intentionally. Come on. There are two other strange animal incidents that have occurred at the Dali Zoo of late, including another alleged breach in an enclosure with Langer monkeys as well as an endangered vulture being found dead at the facility.
1: Mm, mm, mm.
0: Now two uh basically two uh apes primates are unaccounted for and there seems to be a concern that a possible repeat offender, somebody who's terrorizing the zoo could be out there afoot. We could use Ace Ventura, around this time. <laughs> we need a pet. Detective. We need the pet detective right now.
1: <laughs> I'm on my way. <laughs> <laughs> we could use it. But what is happening? I, I have no idea. What is going idea. on at this zoo, man? See, that's you got cameras at this zoo. Well, see, that's the thing that bothers me. I get nervous a lot of times when there are some strange animals just roaming. Amen, brother. When you're walking and you see that, hey we're in they're in a cage and you know them big primates mm-hmm. once they get close they're going to rip faces off <laughs> there's nothing those things are strong bro i was no parts <laughs> of those i like going to the zoo i like looking at the animals but I, I they need to be far away Agreed. i always worry i'm like what if they get mad mm-hmm. cuz you know they got strength they got gorilla strength mm-hmm. I always wonder if they can break that glass Uh,
0: maybe maybe they could do it. It probably would hurt themselves, maybe. I don't know. Is that bulletproof glass? I don't know. I hope it's bulletproof, but but bulletproof is probably expensive. Yeah. I don't know. I have no idea if it is or not. Yeah, That's a great
1: question. I want no, nothing to do with Hopefully that. they're
0: happy and, and you know content, and they don't want to destroy and maim and kill. But yeah, <laughs> they, they are behind bars usually or something like that. That's why. So I'm, I'm assuming you've never been on a safari, or you won't ever go on a safari, where you are driving through the habitat especially of when a
1: wild kingdom. Especially when you're in their... You're domain in their that's, hood. That's, that's their crib. That's their hood. I'm like, hey, man, I'm just a visitor. You know, there's some <laughs> neighborhoods you just don't go to. I would do it, but I got to be in a car
0: that's very secure, so I want to be you in remember my Remember how you just said bulletproof? Bulletproof? Yeah, bulletproof. there you go. <laughs> and I'm like, my window's going to be up. Yeah. And I might crack the window <laughs> a little bit and look out it of the It yeah. smells like outside. Yeah, I want to make sure the gas tank is full yeah, yeah. and that we do have guns. You're doing the full, yes. yeah. doing
1: the yeah. full walk around, yeah. checking We're everything out. I'm a
0: man. I was going to go on one, but I want to make sure I'm safe. I'm with you safari, on that. Because I'm with you. I respect animals too much. Yeah. I respect them. That's day crib. People always say that, Robbie, why don't, because I, I tell people I don't go more than chest deep into the ocean when I walk out into the ocean. Right. I go into the ocean. It's beautiful. It's, it's, a, it's a serene moment. Hurry up and take the selfie But so exactly, go. Your boy never goes. <laughs> if my nipples are in the ocean, I went too far. You know what yeah. I mean? So that's, I'm not going for that. That's because I respect the ocean. Yeah. I respect the ocean. That's day crib. It's day crib. That's crib. That's crib. I'm, I'm in they crib. They don't want me hanging out there, so I go just exactly. far enough. So I can experience it and I'm back in. People will go run out to the ocean full speed, jump out there and go swimming. Yep. Right? You want to go swimming like a half a mile out into the ocean just because you can? Exactly. Nah, that, no, no. Nah,
1: you ain't man. got no respect for the that ocean. Because undercurrent might grab <laughs> exactly. you. Exactly. Jellyfish might reach up. You just don't know what's over there. It shark, octopus. anything. Yeah. To respect the ocean. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Because if, if, if I can't see the bottom... Not going to it. I got to be able to see the bottom.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. I don't even those little tiny monkeys they talking about. No, I'm scared of them too. Yeah, they them. No, I they're not trying nature. to be your friend. I respect nature too much. You are human.
1: <laughs> they are not.
0: How many uh, have you been to a national park before? No, I went to a glacier, and uh, oh man, it's crazy. Because when you first go there, uh, someone says knees. Yeah, like yeah. the ocean. Yeah, knees. Here, I agree with you. Yeah, I went to the Glacier National Park, and, and I went into the store. And I went to the store to go buy like some water or something like that. And the first thing they have on display when you first walk into the store, right before you get to Glacier, is bear spray. And I and I said to him, I was like, "Hey, I was like, do I need this bear spray?" He's like, "I would suggest you have some on
1: you." See, there's no and I was like,
0: "How often do people encounter bears?" He's like, "Every day." And I'm like, all right, I'm out. I can't. No, I went to Glacier National Park, but I got some bear spray. Yep. My wife told me I was overreacting. We did not encounter a bear, That's so good. he might have been trying to sell me some damn bear spray, but I'm gonna have that. Was bear spray. i to say, You got the bear <laughs>
1: spray. I'd rather gonna be have safe. It. I'm gonna than have sorry. It. You
0: know what I mean? I'm gonna have it on me. But yeah, out there, you can just wander up on some random animal. We wander up on like um, some like mountain, it's like a mountain goat or something. Yeah that was huge thing was on no un- parts of that oh, and people were like walking up to it i am like that thing could ram you and break your chest at any and moment gonna, yeah, and you want yeah you want to walk up to it and take a selfie with it i'm like nah, i'm
1: good he I might have a bad day on his way over what? to
0: you i was 30 yards away and i was like and i'm still ready to run yeah. and i'm, a, I'm a, i was like baby I'm gonna leave you. Yeah. You ain't got. You ain't in your stride.
1: On. You better get your bear spray. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right, we'll come back. We'll talk about cowboys making uh, big moves, coaching moves. We'll talk about Kellen Moore having a new home already, and the Texans zeroing in on D'Amico Ryan's. All that and more right here on Ball Line the Horn.